0: So, um I just deleted the third episode of the podcast. Um 40 minutes of audio down the drain. That's that really sucks. That's what happens when you have multiple audio files open, I guess. Welcome again to episode three of Rookie Mistakes. This is going to be the last episode before the podcast finally goes live online, so that's pretty exciting. On today's episode, which just got a little bit Juicier because I deleted the entire, the entire thing. Um, I'm going to be talking about dealing with the things you can't control in your life, and then also becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I'm going to relate both those topics to a story that I have about my first day and a half in France when getting to Paris. I will see you guys on the other side for the beginning of the episode. Still can't believe I deleted the real thing wow all right let's do this welcome back episode 3 july 3rd i wanted to talk today about my day in seoul because it was a pretty rough day i mean because it's summer it's really really humid here and it's been raining a lot too the past few days this is pretty much the i think worst one of the worst times of the year to visit Seoul. So that's just been an issue over the past few days. And then today I did laundry for the first time and I've been building up a nice smell the past couple of days because for whatever reason, as many times as I shower, I still stink because of the stupid heat. And so after I got done showering and I finished washing my clothes, I've been drying for a day and I smelled them and they all smell awful. So I have nothing I can wear. So that was fun earlier today and so i had to wear clothes that stunk out and i've never really had a time in my life where i actually was so worried about how i smelled because it was just that bad so i was worried that people would uh smell me and i just went out today to uh dinner at this pad thai restaurant not a pad thai restaurant it's a pat it's a it's a Thai. I'm so rattled now after that episode got deleted. I think this is good, though. This is like this is this is good. This is what this is what this podcast is about, honestly, stuff like this. Yeah, I went to a Thai restaurant and it was one of those places where it looks like it's a pretty legit, authentic Thai restaurant. And so when I got inside, it smelled kind of weird. And so I didn't know if that was just because it's a legit authentic Thai place or if there was something going on but decided to eat there anyways it ended up being it was all right it was like a six out of ten I'd say Um, Google had it at a 4.2 out of five but yeah it wasn't that good So I thought, you know, this would be hilarious if I got food poisoning or something from this place. And so after I was leaving, I was going to start walking around to just kind of check out the city more. And I started getting really sharp pains in my upper stomach thinking, oh, my God, this is it. This is going to finally be my first experience with food poisoning while traveling. For anyone that has had this experience or feeling before, you know, you probably want to get to... The toilet as fast as you can and so i was debating whether or not i wanted to just keep exploring or if i wanted to just go back to my airbnb just in case something bad happened and i voted to go back to the airbnb but thankfully nothing happened and i was fine so knock on wood that nothing happens in the future but so i wanted to talk about a story about my first day and a half in france because i've just been thinking a lot lately about Things that happen to you while you travel that you really have no control over. And I think there are especially a lot of times where they can they can just build up and it literally gets to a a breaking point where you almost just want to you almost just want to freak out. At least I want to freak out. I've had plenty of times where I've just wanted to freak out and I just kind of wanted to talk about that. And then how, how do I how do I prevent myself basically from freaking out here goes Le France story. So the day I got to Paris I was staying at an Airbnb I think in Sir Il Sir sign or something. Sir Il S- Sir Il sign I think it's called which is kind of an it's like an hour away from the center of paris which i didn't know because i didn't really like look into how far it was before that so that kind of sucked because i didn't want to have to spend two hours a day traveling like back and forth between the center of paris so that kind of just right off the bat kind of you know threw me off i went into um, paris without any data on my phone which was a bad call because i rely heavily on my phone to to use Google Maps or other traveling apps so that I can get places. I didn't really have a choice at this point because I didn't have any type of European SIM card. I was just getting them at that point from country to country. Yeah, I didn't have a I didn't have any data on my phone, so when I got to the train station, I basically had to figure out what I was going to do from there to get to the Airbnb. And so I kind of wandered around the city and I was able to finally find a map of the entire city after about an hour. And so I took a picture of that from there. What I was going to do was just take the address of the Airbnb and, find the streets with that map and just continue walking and looking for like street checkpoints basically until i found the airbnb pretty clever of me honestly i was pretty proud of myself because i'm honestly awful with directions and i can't use a map really or anything i finally get to the airbnb it was a nice Airbnb, so I was pretty, I was happy to be there. You know, first night, first day, kinda kind of rough. It took me, it ended up taking me like three and a half hours to find the Airbnb because one, it was just hard to find it with the things I had available at, at my disposal. And two, it was just really far away from the train station I was at. So I was pretty tired as you can imagine. I went to bed that night and woke up the next day at one in the afternoon went to the went to the good old bathroom to take a pee and i'm greeted with a uh, nice kind of brown sticky looking stain all over the front like outside the bathroom door on the tile and i'm thinking to myself what is that and i open the bathroom door and i'm greeted with brown murky water all over the in front of the toilet seat or in front of the toilet Needless to say, the toilet overflowed. I'm thinking to myself instantly, like, holy shit, I just, oh, I can't believe I over, I can't believe I clogged the toilet and it's over, like, it overflowed because I didn't think I did anything the night before to, uh, to make that happen. I instantly start freaking out. And this is one of those moments, right, where you can just dwell on what's happening right now or you can just accept that it happened and deal with it. Because one, I was really worried because there was a security deposit on the apartment. So I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to pay for this. This is going to be $600. And then two, I was thinking, oh my God, this is disgusting. I don't, what am I going to do with this? And then I just didn't really want to, I didn't want to tell the 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 girl that owned the airbnb because like obviously it was just a terrible situation and i wanted to make it as less i wanted to make it basically as less of a deal as i could possibly make it before i told her and so what i decided to do was i went to a i found a grocery store bought a bunch of cleaning supplies and i proceeded to clean the entire floor of the bathroom which was absolutely disgusting but i did it and the thing was I didn't think it was like, obviously it was disgusting, but I was like, oh, this is like from me. It's my own waste or whatever. So it's not as bad as it could be. So I'm thinking, whatever, finally clean the floor. I get it spotless. It looks amazing. So basically all that's left is this toilet, right? That had been clogged. And so I didn't think it was that as bad as it was at that point, or I didn't think it was as bad as it had been at that point, at this point. I finally message her and I tell her, oh, the toilet's ta- clogged. I make it sound though like I didn't have anything to do with it. I made it, I made it sound like I was a very, very, uh, just unsuspecting. Like, oh, I have no idea how this happened. Like, uh, the toilet's clogged, and so she wanted a picture. So at this point, I actually opened the toilet seat to see what, like, see what we're dealing with down there. And let's just say it's probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The amount of just crap in there was astounding. At this point, I'm thinking I'm like, I'm disgusted, but I'm thinking, oh, maybe there's a silver lining here. Maybe this isn't my fault because I didn't do all that. There's no, there's, I knew there was no way that was me. Sent the picture to her, but I'm still, I'm embarrassed to send it to her because I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, she's probably gonna think that's from me. So it was just really awkward to have to send it, but I finally did it. And I just freaking swallowed the, uh, the shame we'll say. So she tells me, that there will be a plumber coming at six that day, so I was pretty happy about that because I'm thinking, oh, this problem's gonna get solved. This thing's gonna be a big deal. I'm not gonna have to pay any money for a security deposit. Like, oh, this this can't get any worse, right? Plumber comes. He's he's an hour late, so he gets there at seven. I let him in, and he's wearing Nike shoes with jeans and a t-shirt. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not used to plumbers looking like that. Usually, they've got a nice little plumber crack going, and they have their tools and. Usually they're boots and jeans and all that good stuff, and so I'm thinking like, what what is this guy gonna do? So he doesn't speak any English. He, I show him the bathroom, completely embarrassed again because I'm thinking to myself, oh, this guy's gonna think this is me. Like this is absolutely disgusting. I'm so I'm so ashamed. So he kind of just looks at it and he's talking to himself in French, and you can clearly totally tell he's disgusted, and he. Says something about a specialist to himself and he just leaves. I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, this guy just, just looked at it and was like, I'm not dealing with this, and he just bounced. And so I'm think I'm questioning, should I should I let her know he left or is there like is he coming back? And so I waited a little bit and he didn't come back. And I messaged the the girl and she said, Yeah, he he called me and said there, we need a specialist, and so I'm gonna have to get a specialist. We'll do it in the morning, basically. Cool, whatever. I've cleaned the bathroom. It's disgusting, the toilet. I can't do anything about it. I'm gonna have to figure out how I'm gonna pee the rest of the night, but whatever, like it's gonna be all right. 8.30 rolls around and I hear this this water sound. So I rush to the bathroom and the toilet starts overflowing again. And this time it's way more water than before. So the water's going all over the bathroom and it's coming now onto the living room floor. I went through hell, obviously earlier cleaning that up. I it took it all out of me, man, and I'm just I start thinking again, like I'm gonna have to clean this again. <laughs> I message her again, saying the toilet started overflowing again, and I proceed to uh, start cleaning the wood floor this time because I don't want it to get damaged, man. This honestly, I feel like I deserve a medal for this because how many of you like th- really think about this? If you saw how disgusting this toilet looked and then just the idea of this shit water overflowing all over the bathroom, how many of you out there would have actually cleaned it yourself? Security deposit be damned. Would you do it or would you eat the security deposit or would you just bank on the fact that they wouldn't think it was you and then you w- that wouldn't even be an issue? I think I deserve, I, I think I deserve like a outstanding citizen award or something. Like the French president should definitely give me a award but so yeah i start cleaning again and so they tell me okay we're gonna come over with another plumber at 10. so i'm cleaning it it's pretty much to no avail because there's just so much freaking water and i don't have all the paper towels at this point because i used a lot of them already from what i had bought earlier she finally comes over and she's with the plumber and then her husband let's just say it was a nice little language exchange she spoke english and french I just spoke English, the plumber just spoke Chinese, and then the husband spoke Chinese and French. There was a lot of handing off of the baton, let's say, to understand each other. They hadn't seen the toilet at this point. They walk in the bathroom and they look at it, and once again, I'm thinking, this is a, this is they're thinking it's me, like this is disgusting. I'm so ashamed and embarrassed. It was funny at this point because the plumber, this little Chinese man, he he's just neutral right when he comes in but as soon as he gets to the bathroom and he sees that toilet man you can just see his face just complete 180 like the anxiety and the stress that was on that man's face was lit i don't know why but i just started laughing i just started bursting out laughing and i'm just trying to like hold it in because i don't <laughs> i don't want like you know him to think i'm being mean or anything but you could just see it on his face that he like he knew he had to be the one to deal with this shit. No pun intended. Like, <laughs> think to myself, oh, that would be really funny if he started smoking or something because he could probably really use a cigarette about now. Literally a minute later, the guy pulls out a pack of cigarettes and starts smoking in the in the apartment. Smoke detector be damned right and he is start. he starts pacing back and forth in the living room and he's like rubbing his hands through his hair as he's smoking and he's just he's dry heaving and you can tell this man is just he's probably never seen anything like it honestly it's probably one of the biggest i don't even know what to say it was probably like the it's probably the worst thing he's ever seen He finally starts dealing with it. All three of them start cleaning the the bathroom again just to get the water up. They're cleaning the water. And the only thing I can think at this point is, man, I really hope that I can somehow weasel my way out of this Airbnb. Because if not, this is going to be, like, literally the worst week of my life. Just a little... We'll just add a little side note to the story. My brother was actually... Hi, Colin, by the way. My brother was joining me in paris for this whole week and so his plane was getting in the next day so let's just if if he was there and this happened i don't even i don't even know what i don't even know what to say it would have been 30 times worse he's coming the next day and so i'm hoping somehow i can weasel my way out of this airbnb so they're cleaning the water up They're trying to get extra towels. They're going home and getting other supplies and stuff. And the whole time, the 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 little Chinese man, he's just dry heaving up a storm and smoking another cigarette. And just it was it was honestly kind of a it was probably the highlight of the day, honestly, because it was just such a bad situation that you can only find humor. And that was what I found humor in just just the complete disgust because. It sucked doing it, obviously, but I I don't know how I was able to do it, but I I just was straight-faced the whole day. I cleaned it without complaining. I didn't think my life sucked or anything like that. I just was like, well, this is what I'm dealing with, so I just got to deal with it. So they finally clean the water all up and they clog the toilet with just some towels and other things and we basically pray that it's not going to overflow again until we can handle it in the morning. They leave and wish me luck that nothing happens. Wake up the next morning hoping everything is how we left it. Thank God it wasn't clogged anymore. I mean it was clogged but it it didn't overflow overnight. So the plumbers came first thing in the morning that like the legit specialist plumbers like the ones I'm used to with the heavy duty gear and everything like they came in hot. Like it was like bringing in the heavy cavalry, man. It was pretty it was pretty uh, amazing. They literally fixed the problem in I'm not even kidding like 2 minutes and it was it was done with. What ended up happening was that the Apartment complex had a issue with the their plumbing and so what was happening was everyone's waste from below the apartment I was staying in was basically shooting up into the bathroom toilet. That's why there was so much Crap in the toilet. I was pretty happy about that. Honestly, like obviously it was disgusting because I was basically walking around and cleaning up people's shit which I guess is something I could add to my resume, but Yeah, it was pretty disgusting because it was literally, like I said, it was the most crap I've ever seen in my life. Good news, I was able to get a full refund on the Airbnb. And then I had the stress of finding a new Airbnb when my brother was coming in that same day. And so that was pretty shitty. But needless to say, it was a pretty shitty experience, if you know what I mean. Now, that was easily the worst experience I've ever had these these past four months traveling. But there have been other instances where just things happen that you have no control over and just little things build up. And it really makes it a lot more difficult to be productive, get things done, be in a good mood, hang out with people, want to hang out with people, want to do things. It really is hard kind of going along with this theme of reacting to things you can't control. I think when I like when I was a lot, when I look back on my life, when I was a lot younger, I was really, really bad at just letting things go that I had no control over and I really like to dwell and stress over these things. And I'd constantly obsess over them and think about them. And it it wasted a lot of mental energy and emotional energy too. I don't know when it was that I, I, I don't know. I think I'm a pretty rational person. And I think I just got to a point to where I would constantly tell myself that there's nothing you can do at this point. There's no reason to dwell on it because it's just gonna make things worse that I think I finally just started to believe that. And I think I just started to believe that and work like that because you only have, when something happens that you can't control, you have two options. You can just move forward and accept that it happened or you can dwell on it and make it even worse. I don't know why it took me so long to finally get to a point to where I could just move on because it's almost like you get in this trap to where you almost enjoy dwelling on it and it's almost becomes like a, a ritual. I can tell you that now that I don't really dwell on things and I don't obsess over the things I can't control, it's really helped me in my life and just overall, I think, happiness. And I don't know what I would have done if I was still like that like while traveling. An analogy, I like to use that i kind of came up with is think of just think of the things that you can't control and like your the negative energy you put into them and like the emotional energy just the thoughts the stress think of all of that as a train that's traveling on the train tracks we'll call it the my life sucks train and so when i was younger i loved to hop on the my life sucks train when it was passing me by a lot of people will stay on the my life my life sucks train for a while and then maybe they'll get off which kind of represents you getting over whatever it is you were obsessing over and then other people will stay on it a lot longer and so like everyone has differing degrees of how long they're going to obsess over the things that happen to them that they can't control what i do now is i see the my life sucks train and i recognize that something happened that isn't good and that i don't like but it's something i can't control and so instead of Getting on that train and then hopefully eventually getting off it at some point. I don't even get on. I just watch the train go by, and maybe the train, depending on what the event is that happened or like the situation that happened, the train might be like this long, long train where it's like think about if ever you you're at a stoplight where there's they you get stopped and like train goes by and some trains are longer than others, right? And you have to wait and you have to wait and it takes a while. So imagine, regardless of how big that train is, I just watch it go by, and I don't get on it. And then I, because I recognize eventually, like it's gonna, the event or the the situation is gonna go away, and then you're not gonna, you can just move on from it. And so I think that's kind of the like good analogy representing the the change in thought or like the difference in approach along that line of thinking to talk about talk about becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable. I'm the type of person that all my life I've really like, I don't know, I've, I've always liked staying home. I'm a homebody and I really like things a certain way and I'm kind of, I'm grossed up by hotels and I'm a really, really big germ freak and just all these things, right? So when things don't go my way or aren't the way I'm used to, then it, it was always hard for me to, uh, or I, I, would, I would try and keep myself out of situations like that. And that was one of the really big reasons why I wanted to start traveling because I knew to travel I was going to have to be in all these situations like staying in hostels and dealing with sleeping in those beds and using those showers and all this and eating food that I didn't necessarily like maybe or just all these different things. and. I knew I was gonna have to be able to get used to that and I knew it was always something in the past, like the idea of it was one of the reasons why I never thought about traveling or doing anything like that or really kinda going outside my comfort zone. And so I really wanted to, as I got older, I really wanted to overcome that because I saw it as a weakness preventing me from doing something that could potentially be like a great experience for me. With this idea of being comfortable in the uncomfortable, it's about that life isn't gonna always go your way but just because it doesn't go your way that doesn't mean you can't use that as an excuse for why either you're not succeeding or why you're not pursuing your goals. In sports in general, you have to or you're expected to perform at a high level or at your normal level regardless of any other circumstances unless it's some it's unless it's something that's so bad that That people like like a broken bone or like you're injured right then there's no expectations but if you're if you're really sick or you broke up with your girlfriend or you're just having a bad day or what like whatever it may be unless something happened to where you can't physically can't play the game you're expected to one still play and two you're expected to do well and three if you say anything making an excuse like, oh, I'm sick, or oh, like my life's hard, or blah, whatever. Like no one really wants to hear it because like I said, like the expectation for everyone is to still perform. Applying that idea to just life in general, you might have in sports, your coaches or your teammates kind of keeping you in check, making sure that you're not feeling sorry for yourself or like using these things as an excuse for why you're not performing. But in life, you don't really have that to that degree i guess you would have it in a work environment but when you're trying to kind of going along the lines back to like entrepreneurship or building a personal brand there aren't these like little checks that you have to keep you in line so it's really easy to when things aren't going your way and you're in an uncomfortable situations it's really easy to say oh i'll do that thing i need to do tomorrow or i can't reach my goals because this is what's happening to me right now. And that's something I've noticed that's been a struggle. And I've caught myself falling into this trap of making excuses for why I shouldn't do something one day because I had maybe a rough day. And there are a lot of days I've had or like situations I'm in where it's just really uncomfortable, but I can't use that as an excuse for why I'm not working that day or getting something done that I need to get done great example is today like all this stuff that happened I still have to I can't just check out and be like oh I'm watching Netflix the rest of the night it was a tough day I'll get it again tomorrow because that line of thought can just continue and continue and then eventually maybe a few months pass and then you've haven't accomplished what it is that you set out to accomplish for those few months and that becomes a mental trap where you just constantly keep making excuses for yourself and making excuses and oh, I can't do this because I'm not in the perfect scenario and like everything isn't perfect and going my way. I really think the people that are the most successful in life are the ones that can perform and still perform and still accomplish their goals while being in less than ideal situations. And this is true with athletes, too. When everything's going their way, right? When everything's going anyone's way, they're able to perform at a high level or get done what they need to get done. But when things when shit starts at the fan and things aren't going their way, that's when there's the separation between the tr- truly successful high-level people and the people that just can't cut it. Recognizing this and thinking about this, I know that I can't use these things as an, as an excuse, but I, I'm still not at a point yet, I don't think, where I'm able to work at a level that I need to be at in these uncomfortable situations. And so I think that's a good thing to bring up now. And then over time, that's something I'm gonna keep track of and we'll see about progress and where I'm at in a month or so. Finally, it is time for the tips. I wrote down everything in my notes. So I'm just gonna kinda go through everything I think. So forgive the blicks. So the first thing I'm gonna talk about is having to do with the transportation there in paris you basically have three options to get around you can either well i guess it would be four options you can either walk to a lot of the places you can you can uber or you can use the public transportation which would be the buses and then they have their metro which is called the r-e-r so tickets to use The bus or the metro each cost, I think it's a dollar, not a dollar, it's 190 euros. And that's just one way. And so you have to buy multiple tickets, basically. So let's say you went to the Louvre and you had to use a ticket. That would be 190 to get there. And then let's say you had to get back wherever you're staying. That would be another 190. So then you're looking at 380 euros. You can buy tickets in kind of bundles to where it's a reduced price a little bit and then so you're saving a little bit of money that way and then they also have this Paris visitor pass that you can buy either one two three or five days consecutively with that it's basically just unlimited transportation for those days and so if you're using a ton of buses and The metro lot, that would actually be valuable. They have one pass, which is for zones one through three, and then another pass, which is zones one through five. Paris is broken up into zones, and so everywhere you're going to want to go, I believe, is in zones one and three. I know the airport is is not in zones one through three. It's in, I think, zone five, and so you'd either have to get a separate ticket to get to the airport when you're leaving or you would just buy the zones one through five pass which I don't necessarily think is worth it I actually didn't end up buying one of these passes I was in Paris for nine days but I was in the center of Paris where I was actually like visiting all the sites for only six and so my brother and I who I was there with we just walked everywhere for the most part i think we averaged 10 miles a day and then we did use transportation and so i kind of just kept track of how much we spent on transportation in those five days to see if we basically saved money by not buying the paris pass and i think we ended up spending 28 euros which includes getting back to the airport which is i think 10 euros it's more expensive we saved money by not buying the pass because this pass for the zones one through three for the five day pass is 38 euros and then the zones one through five pass I want to say don't quote me but it's in the 60s or 70s so it's a lot more expensive but I don't think it's realistic for people to walk that much but I mean 10 euros isn't that much to save on transportation I guess when you take in all that walking into consideration but it was really good for him and i like to walk everywhere so it's nice walking because you actually get to kind of experience the city it's not like you're one it's not like you're just driving through everything and just passing everything by you actually get a feel for the city itself and then for the people so i do recommend walking if you are capable and then if not then you can do ubers and taxis and buses and trains and i don't know i'd imagine families would probably be the uber or taxi route most places it it would probably be kinda of hard to do the public transportation route. I can't even imagine. That would be rather annoying. Getting into what I actually saw now, like I said, I was there for six days and we were able to see every single thing that is considered like a one of the big attractions of Paris. We went to Versailles, went to the Eiffel Tower, Champs d'Yses, Champs des Mars, Notre Dame, Centre Pompidou, Arc de Triomphe, Les Invalide, which is like the war museum, the Musée d'Orsay, Louvre, the Tuileries Gardens, which are right next to the Louvre, and then the Pont alexandre 3 Bridge, Luxembourg Gardens, Montmartre, I can't roll my R's in, in case you haven't noticed, I really struggle with that, and so I'm trying my best to pronounce these in French, and then the Sacre-Cœur, which is the actual church on Montmartre. Mar- Martre? Martre? took six years of French people and I'm clearly still struggling but yeah we did all we did all of that in six days so that was plenty of time so just kind of think about that as far as planning goes you I mean obviously you don't have to see every single thing you might have the things you are interested in seeing but I think five Six days to be safe. Honestly, a week would be, I would say, if you're like in Paris for a week, that's a very reasonable amount of time to see everything and not feel stressed like you're having to jump from place to place each and every day. Let's see now. I'm going through my notes here. As far as food goes, if you're a family or you have picky eaters like I did, thanks, Colin. There's this chain kind of restaurant called Pret à Manger. It is sandwiches, soups. They have acai bowls. They have teas, coffees, smoothies, pressed juices. They just have a lot of options, and it's pretty fast. Where you just go pick it up, and then you pay for it. You just grab, It's already pre uh, pre made, and so you grab it, and then you pay, and then you can sit down. and There's free Wi Fi there, and the food's actually really good, and is pretty decently priced compared to the rest of Paris. So if you're not looking to get fancy with the French food, or you don't even like French food, then that's a good option. We've had that, I think, maybe three or four times. Another food place, I can recommend, two more places I can recommend that we ate, one was called The Moose, which was a Canadian restaurant, and the other was called Canteen California. So anyone from California out there, you can get your fish taco um, or like burger uh, fix from there. Both of these places I wouldn't say are near any of like the attractions of Paris so I wouldn't go out of your way to go to either of these places but if you happen to be around them I can give you my two thumbs up that they're both really good food. As far as escargot goes I did try it if you want to try it. I mean you can obviously find it anywhere there's this really kind of the famous place where you can get it which isn't I don't know. It wasn't, like, a very high-rated restaurant. But, I like, everything I read about articles, that place kept coming up. And so I'm going to look it up right now because I forgot the name of it. Famous Place in Paris. Let's see if it actually comes up. Just type in Famous Place for Paris on Google to Insider, the website. And we're going to see if it has the place. I'd imagine it does. Let's see. Yep, it's the first place. So it's called Le Escargot Montault. Montorgueil. I don't even know how to say it. So it's Les Escargot, L-E-S-C-A-R-G-O-T, and then next word Montorgueil. So that's like the famous place, and I had escargot there, and it was. I mean, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I actually ate it. It wasn't. It tasted good. The texture wasn't that terrible. Yeah. So if you want to do that, you could go there and get it. It was kind of expensive. Actually, it was pretty reasonably reasonably priced for escargot compared to a lot of other places, I would say it was kind of leaning in the middle of prices you'd get for escargot. Kind of a cool place that I found that I really enjoyed was this crepe place that's high rated. It's got like a ton of ratings. It's pretty, I think, well known. It's called Princess Crepe and it's like a Japanese anime crepe spot. The design on the inside, like everything's pink and it's a really, I don't know, I, I enjoyed it personally because I like anime and all that kind of stuff. And then so they do like really cool different crepes with ice cream and just stuff like that. And they were good. It's a really cool photo spot. I don't know about being a guy with all that pink if it's that great of a spot. But for all the females out there, it's uh, that's a cool spot for a photo. And the last food recommendation I'd give you for croissants. This place is also pretty famous. And it's kind of out of the way, away from everything. But I definitely recommend that you go here to have your croissant. And it's called dupont a day a day and if you go on my instagram one of my posts is actually there so i had croissants obviously which were amazing and then there's this other thing that i had which is on the right of the like the far right of the picture it's this kind of twisty pastry that kind of is like a croissant but it's almost like a one of those twisty donuts and I think what they said was there's cheese in the middle of it, but it's not actually... I don't know. It was... But honestly, it was one of the most amazing things I ever ate. It was better than the croissant, hands down. Highly recommend you get that. You must get that. I guess last thing is macarons for... That's another famous French thing. Pierre Hermé, I think is what it's called, is the place you want to go. That's like the famous macaron place and it is kind of pricey. I think it was like 20 something Euros for 12 or 12. How many was it? Eight of them maybe? I want to say eight of them. It was 20 something Euros, which is but they were good. Yeah, pure Herme. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And so just look up that. So that's food. We did transportation. We did food as far as apps go, the only app I'd recommend to you is if you haven't used this before, it works in pretty much every city, I believe, but it's called City Mapper. And that thing was honestly the biggest lifesaver because I had no idea how to get around France or I could around in Paris. And then once I actually downloaded this app, because I was looking up apps, it literally made everything so easy. And I'm using it right now in Seoul. And it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So what it does is it tells you, like you just search where you're trying to go and then it'll give you it'll give you the routes of what train you need to take or what bus you need to take and you get off here and then you wait and then you take this next place and it like gives you the timing of how long it's going to take for the bus or the train to get there and it's just really 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 a lifesaver so definitely use that to get around everywhere i highly highly recommend it so that's apps that's the only app i'd say and then obviously google maps for everything else so let's get into the sites then, the breakdown here. So I think for Palace of Versailles, that is a full day trip. You should spend the whole day there. You're not going to want to do anything else. And so obviously you're going to want to get there in the morning. And so what I didn't know is clearly there's a huge line every morning. Everyone gets there early and you have to wait in this huge line to get in. But my brother and I, we booked a tour of the private apartments I think an hour after Versailles opened up to the public and so what happened was we were waiting in line and then I found the kind of the tour office and I asked the guy you know what do we need to do for this tour and he said oh you just need to show up 10 minutes before and then you do your tour and then after that you can get into the rest of Versailles So we didn't actually have to end up waiting in line and that actually would have been useful to know beforehand because we ended up getting up really early to get there early. And so what I recommend is if you're going to Versailles, book a tour for the morning as early as you can, maybe the first or second tour. And it's the Royal Apartments, I believe. So you don't have to wake up early. You just need to show up 10 minutes before this time of your scheduled tour and you're going to go to get to the tour office. It's when you first enter the gates of Versailles where you're going to see all these people waiting in line. You're going to want to go off to the right, and you're going to see an open door, and that's where the tour office is. And so that's where you're going to get your tickets and all of that. And then you do your private tour, and you do the rest of Versailles after that, and it's amazing. For general admission to Versailles, under 18 gets in for free, regardless of where you're from, which is pretty sweet. The only other thing I would say is that for the gardens... Of Versailles, they have shows on specific days where they just play music when you can walk around. I thought there was going to be an actual show, but it wasn't. It was just music being played in the gardens, which was still really nice. But so that's going to cost actual money then to enter the gardens. I think it ended up being like it wasn't expensive. It was like eight euros. You have to pay for that regardless of being 18 or not. Other days, if you don't go on one of those days, then it's Getting into the gardens is free, so I would definitely go on the website and look up those times. And you want to book your tours and everything through the Versailles official website. You don't want to like do third-party anything. I don't even know if you can, honestly, with that. So moving on then with the sites, a lot of the museums in Paris are actually free for under-18s, regardless of where you're from, which was absolutely amazing. I wish I had gone to Paris before I was 18 because my brother was with me and he's 16 so he got in everywhere free which was pretty cool and then also for those places that are free for under 18s they're also free for under 26 but you have to be an EU citizen so if you're listening to this and you happen to be a EU citizen which you probably already know about all that but yeah it's free for you. If you're an American like me it sucks but you have to pay. The muse- the museums that are free I mean I would look into everything Again, to make like every time you're looking to book something, make sure you check it out before. But uh, Centre Pompidou is free with your passport if you're under 18, Versailles, like I said, is free, and then Musée d'Orsay is free, and that is it, I believe. So, then moving right along with the Louvre and the Musée d'Orsay, these are the two famous museums. The Louvre is not open on Tuesday, and the Musée d'Orsay is not open on Monday. Clearly, a lot of people's thinking with this is that because this is the case, they think, oh, I'm going to go to Musée d'Orsay on Tuesday and I'm gonna to go to the Louvre on Monday and so those are the two worst days to go there because it's the most crowded so you don't want to do that really cool thing about both these museums the Louvre on Wednesday and Friday is open till 9 45 p.m. Musée d'Orsay is open until 9 45 p.m. on Thursday I would recommend doing which I didn't end up doing but I would recommend doing this because it is awesome is I do the Louvre at night I'd go at around four. I'd schedule your timed entry for around four thirty to five at night on either Wednesday or Friday, and that will give you. I promise you plenty of time to see everything in the Louvre. We saw everything that was worth seeing, and had plenty of time left over. Maybe even if you want to shoot it to like three o'clock, you're not gonna three o'clock p.m. You're not gonna have to wait in. Any line to get in, it's going to be like, we literally got inside the Louvre and we're like, we're seeing things within, I'm not even kidding, like five minutes. It was absolutely insane. Another thing with the Louvre, the Louvre, the Louvre, is that all the different exhibits they have, depending on what day it is, some of them are closed. Well, you know, the others are open. And so what you want to do also then is you want to look at the day you're going to go to see if something, maybe there's something you want to see. You got to make sure the exhibit is open. Based on my research of before I went, it seemed like the best day to go was Wednesday for us because one, we could do the the late entry so we didn't have to wait in line. And then two, most of the stuff was still open Wednesday, whereas Friday, a lot of the stuff I wanted to see personally was going to be closed. We only ended up missing one of the really famous pieces of art that they have there because it was closed on Wednesday. But I do recommend if you do Wednesday at, let's just say four to five a timed entry at that time you'll be perfect you'll be set so that is the Louvre and then Musée d'Orsay we actually ended up going that Wednesday morning the same day we did the Louvre the museum opens at 9 30 a.m and there is not a long line at all so either a Wednesday morning or like a Thursday five o'clock at night would I recommend would be perfect. I don't recommend doing the Louvre and the Musée d'Orsay at the same day because that's obvious, it's just way too much. We were at the Musée d'Orsay for four hours, I think, or three and a half, and then with the Louvre, it was like another four and a half, and that was just too much. Kind of lost its glamour because we were at a museum earlier that day. And I think, is that everything? And then as far as just general tips about France, there are a lot of aerial views that you can access from all these different sites. If you go to sacre Corps, you can climb the top of it so you can see a view there. You can go on top of the Eiffel Tower and see a view there. The Arc de Triomphe, you can climb that and see a view there. The Notre Dame Cathedral, you can climb up there and see from above that. So there's a lot of views. I didn't do the arc de triomphe view i did every other view i just mentioned i went to the top of every single one i think the best experience was probably oh my bad i forgot one more view and i forgot one more museum we're gonna go over this one really fast the centre pompidou i also recommend going there for nighttime because it's open till 11 p.m. on Thursdays, otherwise the rest of the week it's 10 p.m. You can see great views from there also, and it's the least like crowded of the places that have the views, so you don't feel like there's a million people surrounding you. And so I recommend going there at night, and then you can see the sunset from there too, which is pretty cool. And then Sacre Core is right to your right there, and then the Eiffel Tower is to your left, so... You can just see everything. It's really nice, and obviously, it's a part of part of the museum, so it's cool. Back to then the views. So yeah, I didn't do the I didn't do the Arc de Triomphe. Go on top of that. I don't recommend that really. I don't think as far as pictures go, it's not that great. Just kind of like just imagining it. I don't think it would be that great if you're a family. I don't recommend the Sacre Core going up there. It's very a very tight winding staircase, so it's kind of hard to get up there. Notre Dame Cathedral, probably wouldn't do that either. Honestly, if you're a family, I'd probably just do the views from the Eiffel Tower. I'd go up there, and then I'd do the the Centre Pompidou view. That one's pretty good. If you're an individual, the view I like the best, that I actually got the best experience, was probably... I really liked Notre Dame, that's a good one, and then Sucker Coeur is a really good one too. Eiffel Tower, the view from above there is obviously pretty amazing, but there's so many people that it's really claustrophobic and it's actually hard to take pictures and kind of enjoy it. That's the only reason why I don't really mention those. That's views. What else do we got for you guys? Oh, back to food really fast. If you're craving Chipotle, if you're, uh, you know, you're uh, American, you're craving Chipotle, They have Chipotle there, so you can get your fix. I had it once. Unfortunately, it's double the price of what you would pay for in the U.S. It's just as good, but they don't have quesadillas. They don't have chips and... I want to say it was just burrito bowls and burritos. I'm not even sure if they had tacos. I don't remember. But yeah, so it's, I don't know, it was good. But the only thing that tasted different besides how it tastes in the U.S. was the cheese was more uh, strong. Like it was good cheese though. Another just, just obviously France is pretty expensive. So that sucks, but it is an amazing place to visit. A lot of the places close during the middle of the day and they reopen at night. So that's restaurants and even some stores because the French love their work-life balance, we'll just put it that way. What else can I tell you? As far as, do I have any other tips? I feel like I did. Oh, Eiffel Tower tip. The Eiffel Tower has kind of a, it's like a two-part thing that happens. You go up an elevator once and you're on this landing, you're in this area, you can walk all around, 360 uh, panorama view, and then you take another elevator up and you're at the very, very top. If you're going for sunset, at the very, very top, there's absolutely no room to maneuver around anywhere. And so what you're going to have to do is if you want to stay up there, and this was kind of a mistake of mine, was that once you can get in against the fence, you don't want to move because you're not going to get a spot then when the actual sun sets. And so you're not going to be able to take good pictures. I had a spot at the fence, but I ended up moving, not thinking about it. And then so I literally couldn't get any good pictures of the sunset because I was behind like two rows of people. What you're going to need to do then is you're either going to need to go to the very top if you want to be up there. And then hold the spot until the sunset or what you're going to need to do is if you just go back to that like first, uh, we'll just call it like the first level where there's plenty of walking room. There's plenty of space everywhere. I recommend to actually watch the sunset from down there because you're going to probably be able to take really good pictures because I would imagine there's not going to be as many people at that level than there is at the very top. Because obviously everyone just wants to be at the, oh, it's the top of the Eiffel Tower, right? And so I don't recommend that. Don't quote me on that because I, I I mean, I didn't see it for myself, so I don't know. But that's just what I would imagine is how it is. So you can decide between either going to the very top and like getting your spot in against the fence and just staying there for freaking 45 minutes to an hour to watch the sunset. Or you can also get champagne, which is really overpriced and not worth it. Or you can do the, that other level where you're probably going to be able to get a spot with the sunset. So that's my that's my secret tip, I would say, of Paris that I don't think many people would ever talk about. As far as the sites that I liked best and that I think are very, very worth it, I think if you... Well, first of all, here's what I'll say. Of all the places I've been, and I've been to a lot of places in Europe, the museums hands down in Paris are the best I've ever experience they're absolutely amazing every single one of them I thought was to me personally was worth it I loved it so much so what is worth seeing in my humble opinion must sees Notre Dame Cathedral I mean clearly must see that I think was free also unless you wanted to go to the top to see the view which then you paid for which wasn't that expensive honestly so I think that's definitely worth doing. I think if you like modern art which I hate personally but I ended up going to the Centre Pompidou which is a modern art museum. First of all the way the building is set up and designed and just the inside of it is absolutely amazing architecture so that's a very cool thing to see if you're into that and then second all the modern art was actually amazing. I was really surprised because like I said I don't like modern art at all. But that was one of my favorite museums I've ever been to. So I highly recommend that if you're into modern art. If you're into the history of France and war and you're into all of that stuff, military history, the Les Invalides is is like the war museum. That was probably one of my favorite experiences in Paris. It was absolutely amazing. It's abso- It's humongous. It, it might take half a day, I think, to get through it all. So if you do do that, you want to do it early in the morning. Also, what was great about that place was there was absolutely no lines. There weren't a ton of people or anything. I feel like people don't because it's not really talked about as like the, oh, the must-sees of Paris, but it's absolutely worth it if you're into that kind of stuff. Highly, highly recommend it. That's also where Napoleon Bonaparte's tomb is at. It's behind the museum in this, I don't remember the name of the church. I think it's a church, but basically when you're in the, the museum, you can get into this church from the front, and then Napoleon's kind of memorial, we'll call it, is behind that. So you walk around to the outside, and then you go in from the back. And, yes, it's this humongous, giant, red tomb, and then his, his uh, what do you call those things? The uh, casket is in there. Really, really cool experience. Highly recommend that for that museum. Um, obviously, you have to see the Louvre. Uh, I really liked the Gare Musée d'Orsay. That didn't take that long to actually get through. Sacre Coeur, the actual inside of it is pretty amazing. You kind of do a walkthrough where you just, you go in, you do a, a lap around it, and then you go out the other side. And it's one of those, I mean, you can take your time in there, but you're also not supposed to take pictures inside, but everyone was taking pictures inside, of course. Do it at your own discretion. I took pictures, so just with my phone, though. Eiffel Tower clearly you have to see I think like Eiffel Tower unless you're going to climb it that's just oh you go and see it not a big deal and then you see the you can see the Arc de Triomphe unless you're going to go up it not a big deal you just see it and then that's how you can see the Champs de because that's where the Arc de Triomphe is. Then Palace of Versailles clearly it's amazing the how big it is it's it's literally miles I think from once you go outside to the gardens from the palace all the way to the end of what constitutes the grounds we'll say it it takes i think they said two hours walking just straight a straight walk all the way to the end is two hours so it's humongous half you have to do that honestly it's just like the main the main things that you'd go to paris for the things you should do you must do and then the only caveat to that i would say is adding in les invalides the luxembourg gardens i didn't think were that impressive If you have to prioritize things, basically what I wouldn't see is the Luxembourg gardens. Then again, it doesn't take that long. So if you're in the area, then sure, but I don't think you need to see that. The Tuileries gardens, you'll see that with the Louvre. I mean, if you have, like if you're five to seven days, everything I mentioned in the beginning, as far as the sites go, you can easily see all of that, no big deal. If you have any questions about anything and you want me to go in more depth, just message me on my Instagram, or you can just send me an email and I can go into further detail. I am going to probably do a blog post about Paris 2 eventually once I actually get my blog up and running. Don't know when that's going to be. But I think that's everything. So this is the end of the episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And actually, I haven't mentioned this yet in anything, things. But if you also liked it, leaving me a review would be very, very helpful. So I'd appreciate that. My Instagram is conjhancock. That's C-O-N-J H A N C O C K. And then my email is also conjhancock at gmail.com if you want to send me an email asking about Paris. Now that this episode is done, it should the podcast, like I said earlier, in the beginning of the episode, will be going live, hopefully in the next two, two days or so. Today is July 5th, my time. Um, I'm recording this Paris portion of it a few days after I recorded the first half of this podcast. And so I will be coming out hopefully with the fourth episode on Monday once the podcast is live. So look for episode four sometime Monday, which will probably be Tuesday for me. So that gives me an extra day since I'm living in the future. Pretty awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week.